Welcome to the Run, Eat, Repeat podcast, sharing a rundown of tips and strategies to live healthier and happier in a fun way. Now, here's your host, Monica Olivas. Today, I'm talking with a self-defense expert about how to stay safe while we're running or walking outdoors. After a runner in Iowa was attacked recently, I received a lot of messages asking for runner safety tips. This episode is packed full of them. So please listen to it and share it with your people, your running buddies, mom, coworker who likes to take a walk during lunch, anyone that this could help. Let's start a conversation about safety. You're going to learn a lot today. And if you're running right now, I'll have all the info in the show notes so you can pay attention to your surroundings first and review the tips later, maybe while you're stretching. But stay safe out there and have a great run. In case you're new here, I'm Monica. I created runeatrepeat.com to document training for my first marathon and trying to lose weight. I just wanted to run one full marathon, but before I knew it, I fell in love with running. I have always been in love with eating, and I also really liked sharing my journey online. You can follow at runeatrepeat on Instagram or check out the RER Facebook page and the show notes are at runeatrepeat.com. Now, let's warm up. I ran the Lexus Lace Up Half Marathon in Irvine this weekend, and I did a short race recap that I will put a link to in the show notes, but I wanted to mention it here because there are two very noteworthy things. First, I had a wardrobe malfunction. Second, on a happier note, I have a race discount for the Lexus Lace Up Race Series. So you can check it out. I will put info in the show notes, both to my recap and to all of the info for their upcoming races and the discount code. First, let's talk about the wardrobe malfunction. Luckily, it wasn't a nip slip. Unluckily, it was still a slip, actually, now that I think about it. Um, And not a slip like I fell, because I'm also good at that. But This has never happened to me before in a race. I was wearing the Brooks Hyperion running shoes, and it's a shoe I've worn in the past. These were a newer pair to me. So I hadn't been running in these that long. I don't know how many miles I have on them, but not a ton. So there is that. But something, again, that's never happened before with any shoe. I think this is so weird. But around mile 10-ish, I felt like my toe on one of my shoes was like, it felt weird. Like it was touching the ground weird. Something weird was happening. I didn't know if I had made a hole in my shoe or something, but I just noticed that something was odd in my shoe or with my foot, but it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't painful. So I just kept going. It somehow got progressively worse where suddenly I felt like all of my toes were having contact with the ground, it kind of felt like my foot was too big for my shoe. And the my toes were just like hanging out outside the shoe, which is kind of weird, right? But again, not painful, just felt weird. It got progressively worse as I kept running. And I finally figured out that it seemed like the insole of the shoe had bunched up, had slipped, right? and it had started sliding to the middle of my foot. So my forefoot, my toes, and the whole front part of my foot 
was just on the bottom of the shoe. The insole is that thing that slips in. You can pull it out and sometimes you could get like a fancier one or a support one, things like that. That was completely bunched up like in half all under my arch. And since this is a very lightweight shoe that I was wearing, it doesn't have a super thick insole or base, whatever you call it, the bottom of the shoe. It maybe I should have looked up these terms beforehand, but I don't have the time for that. If I don't have the time to fix my shoe, I don't have the time to look that up. So you know what I'm talking about. I felt like I was barefoot running. I felt like I had such contact with the ground. I thought I had run a hole in my shoe magically. Maybe I'm Speedy Gonzalez. Like, I don't even know. But I thought I'd convinced myself that I was just running with one foot was like just my sock underneath there, like the top of the shoe and just I'm touching the ground. I'm eventually going to make a hole in my sock and just be running barefoot. I don't even know. But I was probably only a mile out at that point. So I knew it would be a big production to try and fix it. It was, it wasn't super hot, but it was humid for Southern California. And I was sweating a lot at this point. I was, you know, 12 miles into the race. I only had 1.1 to go, right? And I realized that it would be a huge production to try and get to the side untie my shoe, take it off, smooth out the insole and try to put it back on when I knew since it was humid and I was so sweaty that both my shoe and my sock were like drenched in my sweat at this point, which is disgusting, but also is what it is and isn't really surprising. So I figured the show must go on. I kind of think that this is partially some past training from my belly folkletico days or from cheerleading where they were like, if something happens, if your skirt falls off, mind you, we had like things underneath, but like if you have a wardrobe malfunction, if something happens, if you kick and your shoe goes flying, you keep going. You don't go get your shoe. You just keep going. The show must go on. And so instinctually I was like, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to fix this. Like you got to, you finish it and then you figure out how to fix whatever went wrong. I just kept going, convinced that I was running barefoot on one foot. My only real concern was that it was changing my gait, like how I was running, which can be a problem because it can cause injury. If you start doing something like this long term, this is one of the bad things about running when you're injured. As a little side note reminder is if you are running on an injury and let's say your right knee hurts. And so you're kind of running different. So you're favoring your right knee and you're running harder on your left knee. You could cause an imbalance or an injury on the other side, or just obviously make it worse. Sometimes if it's just something that's really bugging you, if you're just sore on one side, if you just start running different from normal, then you might potentially hurt yourself. But back to my barefoot running I crossed the finish line, moved to the side, look at the bottom of my shoe, expecting to see my foot completely exposed. No, no, my shoe was fine. It looked fine. It was no big deal. 
I felt like in my head, at least I wasn't being dramatic to anyone around me. I was whatever running by myself. I didn't say anything, but I just thought it was going to be this like moment. Like I like rip off my shoe and see like my bloody foot. I don't know what I was expecting, but no, it was anticlimactic. I took off my shoe. I, my insole was completely shoved under to the middle of the shoe. So I had to smooth it out and fix it. But it's just so random. I've worn these shoes before. I've run so many half marathons. What? Why did this happen? Isn't that the most random like wardrobe malfunction? And like no one could really see it. So it was just me potentially just hopping on one foot for the last mile of the race. But I just wanted to share that because it feels good to share my random weirdo stories with you. And like I said, there is, if you want to have your own running stories, hopefully they will not involve wardrobe malfunctions. The Lexus lace-up braces, the next one is in October 20th to 21st in Ventura, Palos Verdes, November 17th, Riverside, December 2nd, and any of those races, it's discount code RER10. And they have, different races have different distances. So some of them have 5K, 10K, half marathon. Take your pick. And along with that, this is like crazy, exciting, my favorite racing season. There's so many races. I also have a discount code for the Rock and Roll Marathon Series. This is a super fun race series. The race in LA is October 28th, and they have a half and a 5K. The half marathon discount code is RERLA10. The 5K discount code is RERLA5. Five. I'm putting all this info in the show notes. I just, I don't know, maybe you have some sort of crazy memory, like you're going to remember this. And actually, that would be super awesome and impressive. And I would like you to hang out with me more because I forget everything. The grand finale of this whole thing is Rock and Roll Las Vegas, November 10th and 11th. There is a 5K, 10K on Saturday and a half marathon or full marathon on Sunday. I'm a fan of Las Vegas. Obviously, I named my cat Vegas, bless his little furry heart in heaven. But there is a $10 off discount code for the half or full marathon, RER Vegas 10. And the 5K or 10K is RER Vegas 5. And you can check out the show notes at runeatrepeat.com for more information. I have run all of these races in the past. I am huge, huge fans of all of them. So you can check that out for more information or let me know if you're coming along. Let me know if you have any questions. Now let's get to the main event. Today, I'm talking to Gloria Marcotte. She's the owner and instructor for Soul Punch Self-Defense. She has over 20 years of experience teaching self-defense classes and seminars, having trained over 10,000 women. She's also an active law enforcement officer, mom, and soul motivator. She has a ton of great tips on how to prevent an attack, what to be aware of, and how to respond if you find yourself in an unsafe situation. Recently, this topic has been all over social media because of Molly Tibbetts, a runner in Iowa that was killed while out on a run by herself. A lot of people were posting using the hashtag miles for Molly to bring awareness to her tragic death and connect with others. It was a way to show support and also to remind us to be mindful of our safety. I already had this call scheduled before the tragedy, but I'm extra grateful for all of this information now. And I hope that it makes us feel empowered and better educated on how to stay safe out there instead of scared. I'm putting a post up on Instagram today with a check-in. 
how would you grade yourself with your safety practices right now? Why? What are your thoughts on how you can improve? Chime in, tag your friends, share this information, and I hope that you stay safe out there. Now let's get to the interview with Gloria. I am very happy to have you here today. I think that this topic is so important and I know that you have so much information and I love that it is so empowering and positive. Before we get into your tips, can you tell us how you got started in self-defense? Interestingly enough, um, 20 years self-defense and I'm victim over 15 years law enforcement, but the self-defense came first. So I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. But basically, before I was in law enforcement, I was in pharmaceutical sales, all things. So long blonde hair, high heels, pantyhose, way back in the day. And um, I worked for a Fortune 50 pharmaceutical company. And so I was in my young 20s, and I was fit. I was athletic. I was nominated as one of the first ever to try out for the first ever women's softball team way back in the day. So young, fit, athletic, working pharmaceutical sales, making over 100000 a year, and on our first yearly trade show with this particular company, I uh, it was in Seattle, and I was there with a group of like 13 people that were a part of my region group, but I covered my territory all alone. So I covered all of New Mexico and West Texas in my own territory. So I didn't know anybody that I was there with. I wasn't thinking anything on a personal safety level. I was in my young 20s. I was fit, and to be quite honest, I thought I would handle any problem that ever came to me. That was my psyche at the time, like... I'm a little bad, you know what. So at this particular event, the trade show salespeople go in the first night and then the customers come in the second night when you wine and dine them and take care of them. So the first night was just for the sales staff. So we were at dinner. There were about 13 of us. The, I had a new female sales manager. I didn't know her very well, but she said, hey, let's go to the vice president of East Coast sales penthouse. He's got a penthouse. Let's all go up there. And I was like, sweet, I'm in. Like, why wouldn't I? Let's all go. So as we all got up from dinner and kind of gravitated or up towards the penthouse, there were only three of us left by the time we got up there. There was my female sales manager, myself, and then the vice president of East Coast Sales. And I kindly refer to him as Mr. Cornfed, if that resonates with you at all. I'm from the Midwest. But basically what that means is the largest male individual I had met, probably about 6'8", 260 pounds, in my young 20-something life. So we were up in the penthouse. Again, I wasn't thinking anything on a personal safety level. Uh, My female sales manager went into the restroom. I decided to get up and look out the awesome wall of penthouse view windows. And I kind of put myself next to a wall and next to a desk. And I was looking out the windows. And when I turned around, Mr. Cornfed uh, was right there. And he decided that he wanted to hug me and embrace me, unsolicited by me. And it put me into shutdown. And I I know why now, um, because I study attack dynamics and force science analysis and all those things. Um, But at the time, I had no resources to pull from because I had never encountered that in my life. And so I went to shutdown. And I mean, when I'm talking shutdown, I'm talking like defeat level shutdown because, I mean, think about it. I'm like, I'm young, I'm fit, Olympic level athlete, uh, making over $100,000 a year. I'll solve any problem that comes my way. And boom, I'm put into a situation and I absolutely had no resources to pull from because I never concentrated on it. Never even thought about it, not one time. So I decided at that point, you know, that's literally when the shift happened. And thankfully, that is the worst of what happened. I was able to verbally get out of that situation and come back to New Mexico. But I decided right then and there, 
I will never, never feel that way ever again in my life. Not anyone I know, care about, love, can talk to, can reach. We'll never have anybody feel that level of defeat. And so I came back. Uh, I was looking for a self-defense class way back in the day. I didn't find one. I found karate, jujitsu, and martial arts, but that wasn't what I was looking. I wasn't looking to go into a fighting system. To be quite honest, I was furious. I was pissed. And I just wanted to learn how to disable someone and get the heck out. I went up to Canada. I got certified in a particular curriculum up there, specific uh, for women taught by women, and I brought it back to the United States. And then when 9-11 happened, uh, which is why I'm so happy we're doing this call today, but when 9-11 happened uh, is when I decided that I was going to help more. And instead of just doing self-defense classes, I was going to join local law enforcement and make that transition. And so now as a law enforcement trainer, you know, 90% of my day is training guys, which is what I do at my department. Um, And I'm a master instructor in firearms, defensive tactics, ground control, vehicle close quarter battle. I've been through SWAT school. And literally, I do that work so that I can bring the realness of what happens out there and the real of what you will need to do to survive an attack to my self-defense classes where I teach 95% women and young girls. And so that's the why. So that's why self-defense came before law enforcement. And so really, if you just take my self-defense and amplify it times 8,000 with all the training that I have, (laughs) that's where we start. Wow. And it is so true. Like what you said, you, you knew you were fit and you thought if there was, you know, most of the time it it really doesn't occur to us that we're not really thinking, but we think, well, if something did happen, I would be okay kind of thing. And it is so different when you're in there. Yeah. I thought my wherewithal and my psyche would solve any problem I encountered. And I know why now, but it didn't. And, And if you don't have those resources to pull from, shutdown happens. And that's where I was at. Uh, It's going from thinking to knowing and you have to go. It's not just about thinking you'll be okay in any type of situation. You have got to know you're going to be okay. And so that's where I was back in the day. I thought no matter what I ever encountered with my little bad attitude and my physicality, I thought I would be okay no matter what. Today, based on all my training, based on my experience, based on everything that I've been through, Oh, I know. And it's an entire difference. Like you, you just, you have to do the work to get there. And so that's what I emphasize in my classes. Like we are, we have to, you know, attack our own personal safety every single day, but we have to concentrate on it because if we don't think about it and we run into that event, the the likelihood of us being as prepared as we could is, is obviously there and it doesn't help us as much. So you've got to get from thinking to knowing, and you got to do a little bit of the work to get there. Mm -hmm. So if someone is in a situation where they potentially need to fight off an attacker or an advance that they are, you know, need to avoid. Are you mainly teaching kind of physical aspects of it? Or is this a combination of being aware, using your voice, using potentially a tool like a pepper spray or something? What does someone learn or what is something we should kind of look to learn if, if someone's interested in kind of taking a class near them? Sure. Um, So basically it's a whole bunch of everything that you just said. We're going to focus on situational awareness because that's our first line of self-defense always, always, always. 
is, you know, head on a swivel and paying attention to the world around us. But we also take a look at our own physicality and boundaries. Like we talk about boundaries. If you don't know what your boundaries are and having someone in your immediate space, they're not going to know what your boundaries are either. We also talk about pre-attack indicators and what to look for when somebody is either gauging you, you know, it only takes up to seven seconds for them to determine that they are going to attack you based on your level or not of command presence. They've made that decision and you've got to solve that problem pretty darn quick. So we talk about what those pre-attack indicators look like. Then we get into the physical skill because I think it's very important for you to understand what your own physical skill is. The reason I say that is 15 years in law enforcement and going hands-on with people in the streets, your violence of action has to be more than the violence of action that's coming at you. And if you never take that into account, you never focus on it, you never strike a bag, you never hit anything, you don't know what your level of success will be. So we do start with hands-on skills. And once we get to figure out where you're at, then we talk about incorporating a tool. So if your violence of action potentially is not enough to overcome the violence of action coming at you, then we talk about tools. One of the ones I recommend in my class is the defense alert device. It's it's one of the best things I've seen out there in my 20 years of self-defense experience. So what it is, it's a military-grade strength pepper spray, the same saber red I carry on my duty belt, but it's also housed in polycarbonate, which is the same thing as NFL helmets or bulletproof glass. So it's an impact tool. So it's a pepper spray that takes away and puts them into survival breathing. It's an impact tool. It's got 150 lumen light on it. You can use it at night, but the biggest and best part about it is it's got GPS technology. So if you have to utilize that device in an attack or in an event that somebody's coming at you and you've got to overcome that, it's going to send out an alert via Bluetooth on your phone or somebody else's phone that's in near proximity to you. And it will send that to people on your contact list that says, I'm in danger and here's my coordinates on a map while you're going through that event. So it's a stopping action that you need and it's a notification system that sends it out immediately. And then it also sends it out to anyone within a mile of you that has that free app downloaded on their phone so that they could be in the best position to help you. It's it's one of the best things I found. It's been out for a year and I'm yelling it from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. I like that because I've seen th- those things kind of separate pepper spray that is made specifically for runners so that it, it's easy to hold. Mm-hmm. And then also devices yeah. that you can keep on you that you can press if something yeah. were to happen, mm-hmm. but combined is super awesome. Oh, it's it's combined and it has a strap on there that goes on your hand so you can keep running. You don't even you don't even pay attention to it being there. It goes right in your hand and it's immediately there when you need it, which is the biggest thing. Because I ask people all the time, what tools do you have and what do you carry with you? And a lot of them say, oh, I have pepper spray. I'm like, okay, great. Where is it? Oh, it's in my bag. Yeah, that's 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 not going to help you. <laughs> you. You won't have time to get it in your bag. It needs to be in your hand when that attack happens. Yeah. And I'm totally guilty of this. I recently, I was going through some stuff. My mom was over and I was giving her kind of the stuff, the running things that I don't really use, you know, gels and a water bottle. And uh-huh. I had a pepper spray in there. Like it's not even, I mean, it's not even in <laughs> my in bag. <laughs> it's in the box of stuff that I grab when I go for a run and oh, I don't bring it with me. So that was like horrible. <laughs> I'm so sending you one. <laughs> I'm so busted. Like I was just like, oh, I show it to my mom, right? Of all people who knows, she's just like, right. Hey, how about you take care of yourself so I don't worry? I'm like, oh, okay. I'm so busted. But I wanted to go back first um, to even this phrase, violence of action is kind of intense. Yes. To think like, 
because most of us don't think of ourselves as violent people, but we would like to think, well, if it came down to it, I could kick ass. Like everyone wants to think that, but the reality is if you have never kicked ass, like this is your day one when it's really all on the line to figure out if you can. Yeah. I mean, you're so exactly right. And that's why we get to work and do some of the physical work because you have to, you have to get to knowing what your level is. And if, if we just think it and then we have to employ it and put it into practice, it may not work the way we thought, just like I did way back in the day. And so if there's anything I can do to help somebody never go through that level of defeat, just by doing the mini work. And, and when I say violence of action, like I, I know that's a strong word, but you have to realize So think about this. When somebody scares you, like somebody comes up behind you and like, boo, and they scare you, you go into immediately, you you freeze and and you stop thinking about things and you go into that kind of uh, fight or flight, which then requires kind of a cortisol dump into your body. When an attacker attacks, they have that same cortisol dump, which why is why it seems like rigor mortis strength that's coming at us. So how do I know this? Well, 15 years in the field and going hands-on with people And it doesn't look like any defensive tactics move that anybody has ever taught. It's problem solving. It's straight up problem solving. There's been many times where I've been fine in the world and everything's fine in my world until some said bad guy wants to remove my head from my shoulders and I'm upside down and trying to problem solve. So you do have to do some of that work and you do have to realize you've got to go a level above what's being presented to you to shut down that attack that's happening to you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to win the fight. Like you can't just, this right. isn't, it's not a fair fight. First of all, you're caught off guard yeah. and Correct. you were probably interacting with someone that has a history of violence of action. Yep. You know, they have, they yep. have more experience. They're better at this. And they're not going to listen to the suite, right? Oh, please don't. They don't mm-hmm. listen to that. They don't care about that. They're not like you and me. That's the reason why they're doing it. And it has to be significant. It has to be fierce. And, you know, we all have that one thing, that one picture on our phone. I, I have a five-year-old daughter. God forbid anybody try and get me home to her. And do you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. that's where it has to come from. And so these are the things we talk about and trigger on and work through in the classes. Yes, yes. And this is so important. And it really reminded me, too, that in the past, I've talked, my ex was trying to teach me different things. I think there was probably something on the news, right? So we start talking about someone being attacked. And he's like, well, if someone comes at you, you know, do this or do that. I have a brother who once he got, you know, once we were the same size, like, we would be fighting. And I always talk about how I would come at him with like, I don't know, like a bat or something or or plastic sword. (laughs) He would have it Uh from me and be hitting me with it before I even knew what was going on. You know, like it was just like he was better at this. He was he he was playing football. He was wrestling with his friends. You know, like it was just Mm -hmm. like he had such an advantage because, yeah, he was wrestling around being more even play violent than I was. And he so he immediately that much faster was so much better at it than me. And so it is so true that yeah, it no, I I hear you, and and it is true, and and we've got to do that work. I'll tell you the biggest thing that this defense alert device has done for me in my classes over twenty years is, you know, two things. One, ninety percent of the women that I have in my classes do not want to go to Krav Maga every Thursday night for the next twenty years to get to the level of defensive tactics of where I'm at. 
today based on all my law enforcement, all my 20 years of training. They just don't. What they want to know is how do I get safely from point A to point B and how can I deliver that to them? So, you know, in my classes, I have a basic class that's a two-hour format and I can put that defense alert device in your hand. I can show you techniques with and without that device that are body manipulation techniques and I can show you how to use that device and feel so much better about you walking out that door because now you've got something in your hand that's a stopping action plus the notification. That's great, but it's a stopping action. So now I don't have to teach you counter, move, counter, move, right? That takes, you know, 1,500 to 1,600 times of repetition to get really proficient at it in a two-hour period of time. I can show you hands-on skills. We can talk about proximity. We can talk about body language. We can talk about attack dynamics. And then I can put this in your hand and do some of the work. And I know when you go out that door, you are so much better off and you're not going to have to uh, motor through all of the techniques that we just taught you, although they're available at your disposal, you've got a tool that's going to be the workhorse for you. Mm-hmm. I love that. I really love that. And it is, I, I know, because I kind of was thinking, I just want to, you know, you, you just want to stop what's happening and get the heck out of there. So it is yeah. so much better than having to become yeah. an expert, really, you know? Right. Right. And it, it doesn't mean that, you know, more continued training because I do basic, intermediate, advanced. And the best thing that I do is the scenario-based training because it does, it changes the dynamic once your heartbeats start going up and you really have to cycle through what you're going to do when you're walking around and someone comes up and approaches you. And we start minimally and then we kind of succeed and increase and then succeed and increase. But that scenario-based training also gets to the realism of what you need so that should that event happen, you're ready and you're pulling that right from memory. You're like, oh, this looks familiar. This is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Boom. And it's how we train in law enforcement. I love that. When you said um, you mentioned boundaries, knowing your boundaries, I kind of mm-hmm. immediately thought about more social interactions and dating. And I've never yes. really thought about my boundaries in terms of being in a public space. Well, and but we have to now, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. So even when we're out in the public spaces and we think that it's a safe environment, I mean, things have changed so much in the 15 years just I've been in law enforcement and the 20 years, you know, teaching self-defense and concentrating on these attack dynamics. People are, they're not afraid to do things in public anymore. So what I mean by that is they're not afraid to get close to you and violate you in some way even in public. But there's also people that are out there that, you know, I just saw something on uh, uh, the Facebook feed the other day is Instagram or Facebook, where there was a guy that was standing on a sidewalk. Mom was walking with her kiddo to school hand in hand. And as they walk past the guy, the guy grabs down, grabs the kid's backpack, his probably eight year old daughter and grabbed the backpack and tried to rip the kid out of the mom's hands. This is in daylight. This is during school hours. There's lots of people literally tried to abduct the child right there. So you have to know boundaries and you can't you have to be spatially aware and we have to keep that distance so that we have a little bit of a reactionary gap that helps us instead of putting ourselves right next to somebody that we think is okay. Yes. If they're not my family, I don't know them. Okay. They're a complete stranger. So I'm on guard until I figure out who they are and why they're by me. And especially when I have my five-year-old daughter with me, you just have to, because we live in those times. You have to think about it all the time. Yes. And I've thought this before when I've been running and I kind of think if I see someone else, like I'm not complete. I imagine 
that an attack is going to happen from the bushes. And so as long as I see another Mm -hmm. cyclist or runner periodically, like I'm not here alone kind of thing, like Mm -hmm. someone would be too afraid to do anything because they know like someone could hear. And I, it has occurred to me that someone could be running on the path and be potentially an attacker. It's like if if they're wearing running clothes, they're cool, which I would like to believe because I think runners are cool. (laughs) But you know, it just like, is like, why, why would you think that just because they're dressed the same as you, that they're like, we're all in this together. It just is really crazy. So what, um, for boundaries, is it physical boundaries in terms of distance? Like how do you kind of figure that out for yourself when you're out running? So, so for running, yeah, physical distance and boundaries for sure. So, you know, think about it this way. I'm, I'm running and everything's cool. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's some, some, some guy next to me and, and he's running with me. He's like, Hey, you're like, yeah, Hey, I don't know you. And so you're going to have to create that distance and that spacing because you don't know this person. Like we want to believe the good in everybody. It's just, unfortunately, we do have to be on guard and think about, yeah, what if this is not a good guy? And I don't want to be this close to somebody that is not a good guy. So as a physical boundary, you, if somebody enters your boundary, and what I mean by that is, do you know how, what is your uncomfort level with somebody being in your space that you're not familiar with? Okay, so when I teach this drill in classes, I start out very, very easy. Okay, I pair you up with somebody and I just want you to walk to me. And when you get to me and it feels uncomfortable that you start getting in my space, I put my hand up. And that's usually about four to six feet out with most people. Then I have them start running at them. And so the the boundary shifts a little bit because now we've got speed as a dynamic that's coming at us as a potential attack. So what does that boundary look like? So now if I take that and I put that situation in your running scenario, and I'm running, and then somebody's in or starting to encroach on my space, well, I'm going to have to navigate myself and my space differently. I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to go either in a different direction, or I'm going to have to continue to maintain that boundary space that I know is comfortable for me, that I know I can react in, that will make it safest for me. That's what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I like that. And it is, uh, you know, you kind of think like in a real scenario when I am running and someone is coming up behind me and you don't want to be weird, you know, like I don't Mm -hmm. want to be all dramatic if I feel like someone's trying to come up, like they're trying to pass me or whatever, but just be weird. Like who cares? You know, like just like stop then like, like stop, turn around, just do. Yeah. Like switch it up because why not? Like it's better to be safe than sorry. And look like a weirdo. So you don't have to have a bad interaction. It doesn't have to be a bad interaction. You know, it, it, it can be as friendly as ever. Like, hey, uh, is there a reason you're right behind me? Oh, no. Okay, do you want to go in front of me? Yeah, that's cool. I prefer it if you go in front of me. Like, that's not a bad interaction. Yeah. But I let them know, I see you. I'm uncomfortable. One of us is going to have to do something. But it doesn't have to be rude in any way. It's You know, it's, I do talk about that in my class. Like, having your head on a swivel and paying attention to the world around you doesn't mean you identify somebody and you're like, mad dogging them like, Oh, what's up? You want to roll? That's not what I mean. But having, but having your head on a swivel and looking at every single person and and making sure your command presence is intact, because like I said, it only takes seven seconds to figure out whether they're going to attack you. If your command presence is not that of I'm looking at you and I'm going to be your biggest ever loving nightmare problem. If you don't go away, but I can do it with a smile, right? I can do it in a confident manner. That's like, you probably should go pick somebody else. Not that I wish harm on anybody else, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like have that command presence intact. It doesn't have to be an ugly exchange, 
but they need to know I'm watching you. I'm going to be a problem because the reason the attackers pick us or who they choose is because they think you're the easy target. Mm -hmm. They think they're going to win and you have to let them know I'm going to be your biggest ever loving nightmare. Yes. Not today, not ever. I love that. And it is, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be a negative interaction because I've kind of thought this mm -hmm. as well for just acknowledging people, like telling everyone you pass by good morning or hi or good job. Like if you are letting everyone around you know, I am aware mm -hmm. that you are there. Right. It, I mean, it's really right. important because they, they know that you're not in like zoning out, not paying attention, not aware of your surroundings, Correct. that makes you look more vulnerable. So yeah, it's like funny, but telling people, everyone, good morning, waving, acknowledging right. everyone, right. you I'm super aware, I know what's going on around me. And I just looked at you, right. you know? Yep. 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 <sighs> I um, totally agree. And that's what it takes. And that's just a part of your everyday now. It's just got to mm -hmm. be a part of your everyday. I know it is because it's one of those things. Um, as my friend pointed out to me that he has noticed when people are walking out of the grocery store, like women, like they, and I do this, I immediately grab my phone after I check out. Like I, I'm not looking mm -hmm. at my phone when I'm checking out. I feel like that's rude. As soon as I walk out of the grocery store at any hour of the day, I'm walking to my car, looking at my phone. Mm -hmm. Like, oh gosh, <laughs> it's so bad. And it's just like, a I was like, oh my gosh, I totally do that. When he pointed it out, he was like, mm -hmm. I always see girls doing that. And I'm like, I'm literally. I just did that. Like, yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you, um, with a defense alert device, and, and um, if you if you look at it on the website, it, you can either go to defensealertdevice.com or you can go to soulpunchselfdefense.com. It redirects there. But you'll see the device has a strap on it. And one thing that I do hear from probably 99% of the people that take my class, they say, once I put this on my hand and I start walking around, it makes me pay attention to the world around me. It just puts me in an entirely different mindset. So where my keys go, my device goes, it goes on my hand when I'm walking from point A to point B, and it forces me to pay attention to the world around me. Mm -hmm. I love that. And with, along with having your head on a swivel, I think that kind of goes with what you were saying about being proactive. Mm -hmm. What are your tips on that in terms of when we are jogging, running, walking, I guess doing any activity outside, how can we be more proactive? So let somebody know where you're going for one, right? Always have that open communication. If you're going somewhere, running an errand, try and let somebody know about it. One thing that I use in conjunction with the device, uh, I do not, don't know if you're familiar with it. It's called Life360. Uh, it's an app that um, just, it, it's like a tracker for you on your phone. So it always lets your family or your loved ones know exactly where you're at all the time, right? So it's a little bit different than the defense alert device because that's a beacon that goes up right when you're using it and sends it to everybody and is like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the muck and I need help right, right now. With the Life360, it goes with you where you go all day, right? So it's just a tracker. But always let someone know where you're at. Use uh, a multi-pronged approach like the defense alert device. Use an app that lets everyone know where you're at. <sighs> Do the work of knowing your area. Like, so when you're going running and if you're going to go somewhere new, which is cool, right? Like, I get that. We don't always want to go to the same place. We want to go to new places. But do the homework on knowing where that is. And, you know, if at all humanly possible, don't go by yourself. You know, try and bring somebody with you. If you do go by yourself, then you're going to have to do a little bit more homework. Like, know your area. Know where your out, outs are so that you know 
if somebody's trying to be a problem for you, is there a populated area I can get to and get to really, really quick? Do you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? So yeah. just do a little bit more pre-homework. And, and it's unfortunate that we have to do this, but you know, our preparation is everything. Our preparation could equal survival. So if we put it in those terms, whereas if we don't go prepared at all, we're like, I'm just going to start running you know, we're in a worse situation. So our preparation could lead to our potential survival. So pay attention to it, focus on it, let others know, do the homework, know your area, know where the populated outs are. And then, you know, obviously if you have headphones, that's great. Just leave one ear open. So you are paying attention to the world around you, that kind of thing. And take friends, you know, if at all humanly possible. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I, I super appreciate that you say, if you have headphones, leave one out. Cause I always say that because I don't think I would just not wear headphones. It's not realistic. So let's be real. I, right. If you really need to wear yeah, headphones, so keep one it. out. Just a yeah. Little bit. Just modify it just a little because that preparation could lead to your personal safety. You know, when you think about it in those terms, like putting it in and not hearing the world around me and taking it out and still hearing cool music, but possibly saving an attack myself from an attack. Okay. That's cool. Right. So I like that. And I, I I really like what you said, too, in terms of being prepared and kind of figuring out if you need to make a turnoff, knowing that it's somewhere that is populated, that you would be able to have that around you. Because there are there are paths that I run that I know there's nothing. It's behind a school. And if I'm there after hours or on a weekend, it's there's going to be nothing there for a while. But there are other options that right. potentially are going to have people around. So keeping that in mind and just keep yourself from a negative situation in yeah. terms of actually having a physical interaction with someone. Do you, what do you suggest if someone has no background in self-defense? So no background in self-defense, you're going to have to attack the critical areas. And the two areas I tell them to attack are the eyes and the throat, because if you take away their vision, they're going to have a hard time seeing you and it's going to be painful. And I'm talking about eyes gone. And I teach them how to do that in the class in the sweetest way possible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, We end it with heart and I let them know like everything's good until you don't do what I say. And then it's not so good. Right. And so the reality is it's a really extreme thing to think about, but we do it in a sweet way so that if you remember it in a sweet way, <laughs> you'll pull it to the forefront when you're going through that uh, attack. So we're talking eyes gone and then we're talking attacking the airway, that jugular notch. So, you know, in your throat right there where there's that opening, if you take your index finger and poke in and down, it's really uncomfortable. But think about the proverbial throat punch with somebody that is trying to, you know, violate you in some way you're going to have to take that airway because if you take away their breathing, you take away the attack. So think about, I don't know if you ever watch UFC, but uh, if you think about it, UFC fighting, when, when the fighters are fighting and they're standing up, they're boxing, they're throwing blows, they're breathing, everything's good. But when then someone gets behind and throws a rear naked choke and they take away the other fighter's airway, what happens? They pass out. Yeah. Okay. So if you take their airway, they can't attack this defense alert device. That's that saber red pepper spray. (laughs) Yeah. That takes away their airway. Okay. That's not a pain compliance tool. That's a take away the airway tool. So if they're not, if they can't breathe, they're not attacking you. And so those are the two critical areas that you've got to focus on, even if you've never had any training. And when I say focus on them, I mean that violence of action that we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, When you have, like a defense tool like that? Is it? And I don't know if that's a dumb question. You start with that. And then if that isn't a thing, or if that's not an option, if you know, you're being physically attacked, and then you just kind of go for 
those vulnerable areas. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So we may not always have that in our hands. I mean, think about it in a dating scenario or in a college campus scenario. That's all I've been training the past couple of months because sexual assaults are 80% more on campuses uh, when school starts. So I've been training a lot of, you know, the kiddos that are new to campuses on what that looks like, which is why we talk about boundaries, which is why we talk about, you know, what's a stranger, what's an acquaintance and to know the difference because you don't really know the people that you're getting to meet. And until you know them like family, you've got to be on guard. So we talk about how to solve problems with just our hands and we do the work where that's concerned. And then we incorporate a tool and I teach both because the reality is you may not always have that in your hand. It may be more of a social event that you're at where something goes awry, right? And so if it potentially is not in your hand because of for whatever reason, we're going to have to solve that problem with our hands. And so we're going to attack and we're going to be the biggest loving nightmare that anybody's ever seen. We're going to attack eyes. We're going to attack throat. Obviously, we're going to attack the growing. But when I say attack, I mean, you're attacking times 8,000. Mm-hmm. Your violence of action is going to be more than anything that's presented with you to let them know I'm going to be your biggest loving nightmare. That is so important. And it is uh, something that we all need to retrain ourselves on because we have been trained to be cool with strangers, like uh, with Mm -hmm. Uber, with online dating. Yeah, with like starting school, anything you could just get comfortable. There's a bunch of strangers around. I go into a stranger's car. I meet a stranger somewhere. You know, I just Mm -hmm. like different things. It's not. And again, I kind of feel like it's like I don't want to be weird. But at the same time, it's not necessarily being weird, but being very smart about how you are choosing to interact with someone that is a stranger. Exactly. And I'd rather be weird and alive than not weird and potentially very injured. You know, and I'll just I'll tell you a story really, really quick. I have a five year old daughter. She goes to my self-defense classes, focuses on it all the time. I practice with her all the time because you have to start young. And if I can instill this in her now so that she never goes through what I went through, then that's awesome, right? So I, I was at a place the other day and you know how some people, they, they want to come up and say hi to your kids and, oh, they're so pretty and blah, blah, blah. And she stood next to me and didn't say a word to this gentleman that just wanted to come up. Hi, what's your name? Whatever. And she looked at me and she looked at him, didn't say a word. And he was like, it's okay. I have kids too. And he left. And I was like, you okay, baby? And she's like, he's a stranger. I don't know him. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> right? Like, perfect. Because she shouldn't have to feel compelled if she's not comfortable, right? And so she's starting young to understand what her boundaries are and what she's comfortable with. And I totally supported it. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And it is like training her that way versus another way. When I was growing up, I um, have red hair, my brother and I do, but we're Hispanic. So it was like very funny mm-hmm. and odd to people. Uh-huh. So they, I mean, people would literally like touch us in the grocery store, like touch our head. Uh, you oh, know, wow. oh, wow. I, I mean, like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like used yeah, yeah. to it kind of thing. Like, just like I did not have I, I have that personal space. It just was right. drained out of me. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Right. There you have it. Just pay attention to it every day and start early and every day, every day, every day. Mm-hmm. I am a fan. Um, And I think the last one of the last points, I don't con- I guess this is physical. I had read that one of your tips was to make a scene, use your voice kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. So, you know, your voice alone can save your life. And I'm not talking about like the scary shower psycho. Ah, 
ah, yeah, I'm not talking about that because that's being afraid and not doing anything with that sulfur energy that you have inside. It's literally got to come from the gut of things. I totally do it over the air, but it'd blow out your ear mics. But <laughs> what I'm saying is you use your voice and you use that lion's roar to let everybody know what's going down. You, you fight back, you use your voice, you let everybody hear you. I promise you when I go, when I do these classes and I do that lion's roar, like it, it rumbles thing. And people are like, Oh my goodness. I'm like, well, that's my warning system for the bad guy, right? Here's my warning for you. And if you don't stop more bad things are going to happen and it's got to come from the core and the soul of things. Right. Yes. And I, your voice alone, your, yeah, your voice alone can save your life. I love that. And this is kind of um, full circle of weirdness. I not too long ago was on a path and I heard like a dog running at me out of nowhere, like suddenly I just look back and there's a dog close enough to bite me. And it just seemed because of the way the collar sounded, like it was charging mm-hmm. at me, like chasing after me. And so I start screaming, no, like that. No, like a very loud, that's my one defense mechanism learning from my brother. Yes. He's, he's stronger than me, but I can make sure mom hears me. So, right. <laughs> um, but I was yelling like, I mean, yes, lions roar crazy. Turns out it it was, it totally did, but it was very mortifying because it was just like the dog just wanted to run with me. There was two um, more like senior citizen kind of people riding their beach cruisers very slowly a ways behind me. And he was like, Uh forget these people. I'm running with her. And he just like came up behind me. So I'm screaming at these old people's dog. And they were like, oh, sorry. And they didn't know what to do. They were kind of probably scared of me. But I was just like, I just caused a scene for this little fluff ball. And these, it was just like, it was really ridiculous. But I'm like, you know what? At least we know that that's what I got in me, you know? <laughs> you know what? I'm just, I'm going to give you a big high five over the phone, soul sister. You got it from your core, and that's awesome. And if any bad guy was on that trail or where you were at, they were like, yeah, I'm not going for that. Today. I know, right? He was like, not today. All right, fine. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm, no, uh-uh. yeah, I'm out. I love it. So, are all your classes in person, or do you offer anything online that people can uh, get some resources and learn from? Yeah, so online is coming, and I actually have, if you go to soulpunchselfdefense.com, I've got a lot of information out there. Uh, I've got all the magazine articles and everything that I've done, but I also put together a newspaper feed that's on there that's specific for women's self-defense across the world. And so um, that's a daily feed that they can go and take a look at as a resource, actually really cool information on there. The online is coming, and I travel across the United States utilizing the training that I do for the Tiger Light Company that are the makers of the defense alert device. And so I go across the country and train these classes. So um, people just need to contact me. I make arrangements to go out. I do corporations. I do schools. I do universities. Anybody that needs me, anybody that has a group that wants to be trained, I travel and do that. I love it. I love it. And where are you local to? Do you have um, like regular local classes where you are? I do. So I'm out of Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Um, so the Albuquerque metro area is where I'm at. And so when I'm uh, not doing my law enforcement work, I'm in the evenings and on the weekends training. That's all I do. Perfect. I will put a link to all of that in the show notes. And thank you so much, Gloria. This has been really, really awesome and helpful. You can contact Gloria and get more information on her self-defense classes, tips, and the self-defense device at soulpunchselfdefense.com. I will put links in the show notes to her website, Facebook, and Instagram. Now we have some homework. 
For today's homework, you get to grade yourself. Your assignment is to comment on today's Instagram post and give yourself a grade. On a scale of one through five, what is your grade for your current safety habits? One is you suck. Five is high five, five stars, you win. That's awesome. And let us know, how are you doing right now? What can you change about it? That number five isn't completely random. It could be. You can kind of assess your overall thoughts on your safety practices and give yourself a grade. But to break it down, you can give yourself a point for each of these. One, situational awareness. Are you aware of what's going on around you? Can you see, hear everything? Are you paying attention? Like Gloria said, head on a swivel. Two, do you know your boundaries and do you know how you would respond if they were being compromised? Three, do you know pre-attack indicators? Do you know what to look for when someone is potentially going to attack you? Four, physical skill. Do you have any self-defense training or any training or background that would help you in a hand-to-hand combat situation? And five, self-defense tool. Do you have any sort of tool for self-defense that you have with you when you are out running, jogging, walking, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't have to be pepper spray. There is definitely, and I'm curious about the Tiger Light self-defense, so I'm going to look into that. But there are different things that people use. I don't know. Maybe you could hire a bodyguard, get like a very large boyfriend slash running buddy, a German Shepherd, nunchucks. I don't know if I said that word right. I just kind of was going to keep going, but then I paused and it got weird. So I don't know if it's nunchucks or nunchucks or something else. But you know what I mean, right? And I obviously shouldn't be using those as my defense device because I don't even know how to say it. I don't know how to spell it. Anyways, I hope this episode was helpful. Please pass it on and stay safe out there. If you have a question or topic you'd like me to cover, let me know. Email me at runeatrepeat at gmail.com or call the voicemail line at 562-888-1644. Leave your name and your question. Try to keep it to about 90 seconds, but you can get specific if this is a question specific to your body, running, training, nutrition needs. Feel free to send it over and I will do my best to answer soon. I'll be checking the Instagram post throughout the day. I am very curious to see your grades. I am not proud of potentially what mine is going to be when I really think about it. And that will be at run e repeat on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and have a great run. Thank you for listening. For show notes, recipes, discounts, and more, go to www.runeatrepeat.com. You can also connect with Monica on Instagram by following at Run Eat Repeat and on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash runeatrepeat. Be sure to subscribe to the show and please rate and review in your podcast app.